Hi, everybody. Larry Gassman here in the Pat Price Tech Talk training room. Today, April 11, 2022, Monday. Seems like we just did this, and we did. We did a wrap-up not too terribly long ago on Main Menu for CSUN, and um, and some of you weren't there and didn't hear it, and uh, so we're kind of doing some of that again in the next hour. And the cool thing about doing it in this fashion is that we don't always get to everything. All, we're all busy doing different things. We have different thoughts as to which is the most important, etc. So we get to what what we get to. Um, and so by having four or five people like we are tonight, uh, we may not catch everything, but we'll catch quite a bit. And so we're together to talk about our experiences at CSUN. Uh, this is the first in-person uh, assistive technology convention that we've had since 2020 because they did a virtual last year. And of course we did it in person this year, they had a couple of events that were virtual uh, keynote addresses. You could actually see them in person or you could actually watch on uh, YouTube, I guess it was. In any event, it was interesting and it was kind of cool that they, they allowed that many different events to be seen. And so um, we got a chance to watch a couple before we actually arrived. In any event, had a great time. I thought it was lots of fun, much better than 2020. And so with us today, we have Kim and Chris Nova, who are becoming regular fixtures here on Tech Talk. And we invited them to come because they actually presented uh, and had a specific topic, etc. They'll talk about that. And and some of the, the exhibit booths they went to. Also, Steve Bauer is with us. John will be with us at some point. And uh, and I went as well, and we had a chance to, to do several things, and we'll talk about those in a minute. But to begin with, let's talk about uh, Kim and Chris. Maybe we can talk about what it was like for you. I know that you've presented many, many, many times before, but this was a pretty large convention with a lot of people, and I'm wondering your feelings about being able to present. Oh, John is home. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. It was cool. I mean, it was my first. It was my first time at CSUN, which was cool. And of course, Chris teased me because he said you picked the biggest convention to start out at, and you know that's great. That's wonderful. And it was cool. It was a cool experience. It was a l- relatively modest presentation in terms of size. What we ended up saying, we had about a dozen people there. I believe I mean, so. It was, you know, it was, it was a small, it was a small turnout. But in terms of preparation, we kind of prepared everything in advance, and I had notes, and Chris was doing the actual demo portion of the presentation, and we went and set up. You had twenty minutes in advance to set up your presentation, go and set up, make sure the mics were working, make sure everything was as it needed to be, and then you had forty minutes to present. And then, generally speaking, your job was to get out and prepare. Let the next people, the next group, prepare for their presentation. When we left, however, it was lunchtime. So there wasn't another group or person coming in to present directly after us. So it was cool. Um, between us, we've, as you said, done a lot of presenting in various places under various circumstances over the years. And so the presentation itself didn't make me nervous. There was no 
nerves or stress about that so much. I was more concerned about is the technology going to work? We had a beta unit of a or a <laughs> is it even beta? No, it's not. It's a prototype. <laughs> it's a prototype. We had a prototype of a unit, and we were kind of terrified because the braille display went out on it. Of course, the morning before the presentation, which is typical because it worked the day before. So I was thinking, please just let the device hold up a little longer through the presentation. So we had other units as well, just kind of sitting around there. But um, I think it was a a successful presentation in terms of what it was. You know, people, at least for a while, were engaged in, in listening to it. So that piece was cool. I think the, the more interesting piece of presenting was kind of engaging with the people who were there and answering their questions and meeting people we actually knew at the presentation, which was very cool, too. Now, when Sometimes. the when, when the when when the Center on Disabilities, when they ask you to present, do they provide anything equipment, etc., or is the table bare and you have to bring everything in and they take it back They provide the sound system, the microphones and all of that stuff, the projectors and things a couple like chairs. that if you need them, chairs and a table. You provide, obviously, your own technology, whatever you're presenting on, but that's... Any the, slides, any handouts, anything mm-hmm. like that. And we had to, you know, test the microphone and make sure the microphone worked and you know, things of that nature so that people could hear us and people could hear the device. So it was kind of fascinating. And one of the things that I personally do when I'm presenting, especially presenting with Kim, is that we have little cues, whether they're audible or not, that we pass off to each other. So I could kind of go with the flow and ignore the audience for a time, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of tune them out. So I, there's no stage fright or anything. So I'm not worrying if there's one person there or a thousand people there. You just don't know. And um, so that's kind of an interesting little way that I actually cover that kind of stage fright type of thing. Yeah, we play off each other very well. So, if, so for instance, when you present, I assume you bring in your own laptop or whatever Correct. you're going to be mm-hmm. using, yes. which makes total sense. Especially if you if you want to use your own screen reader, whatever that might be, et cetera. Yes, and they have yeah. the mixing board and the microphones and, like I said, the projectors yeah. and stuff like that. And Tw- they were there to help you during the 20-minute oh, prep. I was yeah. going to say, 20 minutes is not a lot of time. No. No, it's not. No, and I think we were a little late. We were. <laughs> Because people wouldn't, people were at the booth and we were just like, we got to run. We got to go. We got to go. <laughs> <laughs> and so, did you enjoy the presenting more? Or did you enjoy the, the exhibit halls more where you got a chance to be with people and talk about various things? Exhibit hall for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> we we were presenting as a favor. You know, that was, that was yeah. kind of the thing. Like, okay, you know, fine. But, but the exhibit hall, I think for us on a personal level and on a professional level, that was a very rewarding experience. I can imagine that's probably true because, it, I mean, you got a chance, we got a chance to meet you after knowing you through Zoom and years the and phone years. for years yeah. and years. And I assume that happened over and over and over again. It did. Because it did. you've been around a while. People know you. You know them. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing to meet through Zoom or some form of, of venue like that, but it's totally different when you get a chance to come up to somebody at a hall like that and say hi for the first time. Absolutely. You know what was, re- you know what was really rewarding is that when you walked up to vendors' booths and just any vendor and they'd say, 
well, we know who you are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We know you. Yeah. You know? That's great. And we had that feeling, too, when we first went to CSUN after doing FS Cast. People hear you, and you don't think about that. Mm-mm. You know, you just do the job that you're supposed to do. And people would constantly come up and say, oh, I know who you are. I hear you on uh, FS Cast. So you know how popular that particular program must be if that many people come up to you and say hi. We, we, we were in lunch. We are we're at lunch one morning or one afternoon. It was like the day we left or something. And somebody goes, there's Chris and Kim. Uh, we have no idea who it was, but it was really funny. <laughs> so Mr. Mister Whoever you are, eventually we'll figure it out and yeah. find out. But it was very funny. Yeah. Steve, on the other hand, I know you usually come often and have come for years to see some. You, you were there, I think, a day or well, maybe one day. Um, That's correct, yeah. In, in the and, and talk about that a little bit. And, well, and your feelings I, about season this year, too. I have not um, probably, I'm trying to think the number of years, it's got to be 10 years or so since the last time my employer paid for me to go to CSUN. So I'm a cheapskate. Uh, <laughs> I'm like you guys. I just go for the exhibits uh, and the freebie stuff. One thing that was kind of cool this year um it uh, some of them were more successful than others, but they had in the exhibit hall um, a demonstration area, and all of the vendors were given a half an hour uh, a piece. Uh, not all of them, but obviously they, they had the whole Wednesday that I was there filled, and they had published a schedule on the website to uh, go and hear little half hour presentations for the folks in the exhibit hall. Not obviously, you know, folks that. Um, pay to go to see some probably see the same thing you know and then some uh at the at the real presentation but i went to um uh the one that orbit research did because i was curious about their new product and uh it was kind of cool got to actually hear about it and then uh went saw them in the booth later and got to put my hands on it which was probably a good thing because by the time i got there the speech synthesis had stopped working (laughs) and that was uh interesting but that was um uh, kind of a cool thing, the the Orbit Speak, they call it. It's just like an Orbit Writer, about the, the size of your cell phone and maybe a little bit thicker. Um, but instead of uh, just being a device to control your iPhone with, this is actually has all the programs that are in the Orbit 20 Plus and the Orbit 40. Uh, there's just no Braille display. So uh, it kind of harkens back to... You know, I remember the voice note and others, you know, the Braille and speak where you you have a Braille keyboard, but uh, uh, you have no Braille display. It's just speech. And, you know, it's four hundred dollars. So it's not the price of a device with a Braille display in it. So uh, that was kind of cool to hear that presentation. Also, uh, I went to the OrCam presentation and as it turned out, I was the only person there. <laughs> so she gave me a uh, a half an hour uh you know, private demo of the, uh, you know, the, which the orbits, uh, the orc cam stuff has been out for a while, but I hadn't seen the latest, uh, I forgot what they call it now. The, the, uh, my, my eye or something like that. So anyway, um, but it was, uh, it was different this year and that there weren't the huge crowds. That wasn't the amazing noise. It was a whole lot more than when I went in 2020, I actually went on, on the Friday of 2020, and when they shut down at 11 o'clock, so I was there the very last day, three-fourths of the vendors were already gone. That was like a ghost town at CSUN. This year, more activity than that, but not nearly as much as uh, previous times that I've gone uh, uh, you know, to, to the exhibit hall. But there were a good number of folks there. I would expect 
probably, maybe not next year, but I would guess within the next two years, we'll see crowd levels going back to what it was in 2018, 2019. Uh, John and I live 15 minutes from the Anaheim Marriott, where the CSUN was this year. Uh, but we go with a full registration. We see all of the presentations because we figure if we're going to do something, we might as well do it all the way. And so we like to go into presentations. And it was fun to actually gauge the crowd levels, which were lower than they had been. Uh, well, aside from 2020, they were lower. They were better than they were in 2020. But this was a great time for us to get a chance to see people we hadn't seen in a long time. There were parties every night, of course. But, I, you know, I go for as much for the technology as I do to see people uh, whom I've known for years, either maybe through phone or Zoom or whatever. And in some cases, we know them because we've seen them at CSUN every year. Um, and now, now I'll see them again at trade shows like ACB and NFB. So I'm looking forward to that as well. But that week-long stay is fascinating just to get a chance to talk to people and have dinner with people and talk about various aspects of technology. We got a chance to, to uh, see a lot of the, of the exhibit hall, not everything, uh, but we spent some time, of course, at Vispero, and we spent some time, John went to, uh, to Humanware as well. We spent a lot of time with Good Maps. Ended up beta testing some things, and we even uh, did a couple of demos, which John is going to feature here in a little bit, as soon as it gets set up, um, with regard to good maps and indoor navigation. He'll talk about that. Kim and Chris, did you get a chance? You got a chance to present, and then you got a chance to sit in the booth for a long, long time. Did you get a chance to actually walk around the hall and and see a few things? Yes, we did. Actually, um, we were able to break away for a couple of hours and just kind of roam the halls. And sometimes you find yourself <laughs> roaming up and down the same hall. Sometimes uh, we became best friends with one of the vendors. Cause she's like, you're back again, you're back again. <laughs> but um, you know, we saw some really, really cool products. We saw the new Braille sense six mini, which I wanted to take home, put in my pocket. Yeah, that almost went home with us in his pocket for sure. <laughs> I also saw we also saw the Actolino, which was a really really cool uh, little braille display. It's a beautiful braille display. But if those that don't know about the HandyTech products, they have their braille display. The cells are the kind of the instead of it being flat, it's concave, and you put your fingers into this like horse trough, if you will. So you got a horse trough for the braille display. And then you got the dots in the horse trough. It's actually kind of an interesting concept. It's very comfortable to rest your hands in there. We also saw and purchased, unfortunately, because, you know, you go to these <laughs> conventions and you want to buy everything in Shiny the Shiny toy syndrome. But we purchased a Lyric, L-Y-R-I-Q. This is a standalone scanning device that uses a camera. And one of the features that I particularly like about it is when you put the paper under the camera, it's super fast at scanning. But if it if it's in the middle of reading, let's say it's a Capital One card offer, and it says Capital One, you just pull it away, it stops speaking, and it's ready for the next thing. 
it makes scanning mail so much easier. And it scans within about a second, possibly two. I mean, literally, it's so fast. Why did you say? Why did you say? Unfortunately, because it was two thousand dollars. Oh, that's a lot of money. <laughs> well, what is that? What's, what's money anyway? It's great. It's overrated. You know? no, you're, no, you're it's, making you're making that much money on one sale for Mister Guy. Says, oh you? yeah, you know it. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, but it's it's you you go there and you see all this neat stuff. Yeah, and absolutely. Just, you know, you're just like, huh? Okay. I ended up. I ended up also another another casualty of CSUN <laughs> is I ended up getting a WeWalk cane, so that's kind of an interesting, oh, it's kind I've, of an interesting I've, device. Yeah. yeah, I've talked to them before. I, I've never tried one of those out, but I, you know, interesting concept. It is. It's got a detection obstacle detection sensor in it, and it, it's 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 an interesting concept as well because it has integrated GPS through your through your phone. You know, so you can navigate with it and things like that. So, mm-hmm. John, before you before we get into the, the good maps, tell them tell everybody what you learned at Humanware. Oh well, this is not a secret, really. I mean, it's been rumored for quite a while, but I went down there for the because my Victor Stream Two stopped working after eight nine years, I guess eight years, whatever, and like. Uh, some other people, the, the power button stopped working. You press it, and nothing happens. So then you begin to manipulate it. Okay, I'll press up a little bit, a little harder, a little harder. It was and, abuse. And it, it wasn't manipulation. It was it abuse. Was, it, yeah, it was probably <laughs> blind abuse, yeah. Um, and but then, So I put it away for about eight months and didn't touch it. I used the iPhone. Went back to it one day, and it worked for five minutes. And then it stopped working again. So I don't. I think it's it's just one of those things where I think it's it's about ready to go. And so I'm using the iPhone and, and the Bard app most of the time now. But anyway, um, I did confirm that they are working on a brand new Victor Reader Stream three or whatever they're going to call it. They don't have any information, or at least the people in the booth didn't have any specific specific information about when it might be released. Uh, I know they're having trouble getting parts like everybody else, so that delays things even more. And so we, they just did confirm that there will be a new one coming out. We just don't know when, hopefully before the end of the year, but, you know, you never know. So just pay attention to uh, the news releases as they come out from Humanware, and, and uh, we'll find out about the new Victor stream. I think Peter Tusick said that he only got to see a mock-up of it that didn't even work. So Yeah. That's what he told us. Yeah, he 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 said he would love to come on Tech Talk when it becomes available and talk all about it. So we're we're, we're planning on doing that at some point, whenever that is appropriate. So so that's what I got out of Humanware, and we visited folks at APH a little bit, but uh, not not everybody. There wasn't enough time to see everybody. Did see? And we're, we have Larry is. Um, is Steve here too? So he yes. can talk. Yes, okay. I am. Do you want to just you want to talk with? Why don't we talk to Steve first, and then we'll come back later? Well, we on. already we have. Oh, you have. Yeah. Well, that's what I get for not listening to the show oh. while I'm on the way home from work. I can I can say quickly that uh, since we're talking about Braille stuff, I went over to National Braille Press to. The reason I went there was to uh, see about the Braille me. 
And they are still selling it, but it's got the same issues that uh, they've had with that device. The, the main one for me being that you can't get repair in this country. And he admitted they were just, you know, not sure what to do because right now if it breaks during warranty. They just send you a new one. But if it breaks uh, when you're not in warranty, um, then, you know, it's uh, kind of a difficult thing. But one of the cool things this year was several of the Touch of Genius prizes um, were there. Um, and, um, the, uh, the Haptabrail was there. They were a, 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 touch of genius winner, which is an interesting concept. It was basically, uh, a deafblind person would carry this and a person could talk into the mic and then, uh, it would use uh, text to speech or, you know, speech to, to text. But in this case, it was coming out in Braille, had a couple of, um, different modes. You would hold it so that your one finger was on um, each dot, as it were. And so if you wanted to say hi, you could do H.125 would all vibrate, and then they'd stop, and then two and four would vibrate. Um, I couldn't, in in five minutes of the booth, get to where I could read that. It just was coming too weird. Maybe with some experience, you could. But they also had a mode where it would do the dots individually. So dot one, dot two, dot five for H, and then dot two, dot four for I. Uh, that I could deal with. It took a long time to, uh, you know, uh, for me to actually be able to do it. So I'm not sure how um, effective that would be, but uh, it sure is an interesting concept. So, uh, um, and you talk about the uh, the Victor Reader stream. Um, one thing that we have talked about a lot is that their rumors are going around that it's going to be voice controlled. I did see the, um, the real Sam pocket, which is the, uh, the, uh, new phone that is out. I'm think of them with in relation to humor because they actually are trying to get a contract with the library of Congress to produce their next voice activated recorder or voice activated talking book player. Um, they haven't gotten that contract yet, but they do have a voice activated phone and everything is voice activated. Um, so there's no touchscreen to deal with or anything. And, uh, um, interesting concept, but $1,400, a lot of money for that. So, um, it does have, you know, of course, phone calling and texting, uh, they don't have the analyst library on it right now, but you do have Gutenberg and, uh, it's got OCR on it, so uh, there's a possibility of being able to read, you know, with the text-to-speech and the phone, some things, and it just, you know, it, you, again, you would control it all with your voice, so that has some of its own issues, but uh, for a lot of folks, might be the, the, the good solution. So those are a couple of things that I saw, in addition to good maps, and you guys will talk about that, and uh, um, which... Didn't do much good for me for getting around to the different exhibit booths, and Mike admitted that, but it was sure great for, you know, finding the restaurants and the bathrooms and all that kind of good stuff. And uh, so, yeah, good maps uh, a lot of, will be interested to see what they do in the future. Uh, Larry, did you, before I do that, Larry, did you talk about the fact that some of the events were streamed? Sort of. They had one room dedicated to streaming, uh, three or four different presentations each day. And they were left up there during the day, and then the next day new ones would replace them. And so I don't know if there's anything up there on the on the webpage for CSUN anymore other than the keynote address and the uh, feature presentation each morning at 8. Those, I think, are still up there, but I don't know whether the, the other one, the afternoon, morning and afternoon presentations 
are there anymore. Um, Mike May did one, which we were at, and that was up there on that Friday and throughout the weekend. Don't know if it's still up there or not. Um, to talk a little bit about good maps, it, it's if you were using a an outside an outdoor GPS unit, whether it would be you know the the good maps or or some of the others from APH that are all still very good. Uh, just imagine that you're inside and getting that same type of information pretty much. Uh, and it was amazing to walk from one end of the hotel and, and know exactly when to turn and when to – and you could search for a specific room and it would bring you right up to within about five or ten feet of it. So we uh, we joined uh, Evelyn from Good Maps and basically did a demo and at the same time did a little mini interview where we had a chance to ask her a lot of questions about how Good Maps worked and uh, and what they envisioned in the future. So it runs about 10 minutes, and we'll play it for you right now. Here's Evelyn. We're on the location screen of Good Maps Explore. Uh, the location screen gives you information about where your current location is. Uh, when you click the search tab, which is the second tab, it allows you to search for places you want to go in the building. So we're going to get a route to... Platinum 7. Platinum 7, first floor. And that's in our recent searches. So if you want to go there to your recents, it's already populated for you. Um, and then favorite. I can Check favorite. Marks. Not checked. Platinum 7, heading, first floor. Options, heading, directions. And we Button. want directions. Directions. Get directions, hold the phone vertically so the camera can see where exit directions. Button. So you have to hold the phone vertically so the camera can see where you are in the space. And that and means up and down. Yes, up and down. The dinging down, that Get down means it's not getting so your location. And then when you flip it up, the ding is Scan trying to, to find your location. Continue 135 feet and turn left. So the app is giving us directions to Platinum 7. And occasionally voice Continue 95 feet and turn left. But it's not saying anything. Turn right and then turn left. Usually. Turn left and continue 25 feet. Ah, turn left up here. Turn left and then turn left again. And we're walking at a moderate uh, pace. Turn right and c- continue 15 feet. Sometimes when the app gets a little confused, you just need to stop and let it reset itself. Hmm. Turn left and continue 140 feet. Continue 140 feet and turn right. Yes, we just turned left and now we're continuing 120 feet and then turn right. So if the app gets confused, just stop, let it reset itself, or tilt continue it down 90 and tilt feet it back and turn up. right. Then we're walking straight down the middle of the carpeted corridor, right? Yes, yes. Continue 50 feet and turn right. If we don't do that, does the app get confused? A little bit, yeah. Approaching so right turn. In the main hallway, it's very sensitive about if you uh, veer. And let's see, approaching right turn. Turn right and continue 55 feet. Continue right. 55 feet and turn left. We just turn right. Now we're continue 40 feet, then turn left. Approaching left turn. Turn left and continue 40 feet. Now we're turning left. Continue 40 feet and destination on right. Approaching destination on right. Approaching destination on right. 
turn right and arrive at destination. Now you have arrived near Platinum 7. And we're about 5 to 10 feet from the door. Which is in front Get of us. Yes, right, straight up. And here's the door. Where you sometimes like GPS does? Yeah. So when it was doing that, like, turn left, turn right, I just, like, stop in my tracks and just let it settle itself down. Uh-huh. Or I'll tilt it down, you know, where it goes the, to the up and down mm-hmm. so just reset it because it does get a little confused so if you just reset it then it helps you reestablish its location uh, but are there some instances We're not because of gps no. where it might take you to the wrong location because it sees it but it's not exactly right in front yeah it's more i think because um in like for instance down there in that open area if you veer like for instance when gina is doing it she's not walking straight 50 feet turning right then turning left she's cutting across the path and that's what most people would do and it does not like that so we're trying to figure out how to um, accommodate kind of zigzag walking patterns Mm -hmm. because you know that's that's very common sure Um, so right now it's very sensitive and in big hallways now how does it acquire a location so it finds your location because it's using geo-referenced images from the original scan that we created. So we come into the building, take a scan of the building using a LiDAR backpack, and walk the building with that backpack, and we create a digital twin of the space. And then once a person comes into the building, they can open up the app, and the phone is seeing what um, is in the environment and comparing it to that original scan. So if the, so if the, if if Anaheim Marriott, for example, does a refurbishment of this building, then what we have now is useless, right? If they were to um, reconstruct this whole area, we will have to rescan the building. Yes. So what happens if all of a sudden you've done the walk of the building and you've got it perfect, and then we have a we have CSUN and you mm-hmm. say, "Oops, we forgot." How easy is it to go back and try and assimilate all of whatever might be new or into yeah. what we've done? So um, in the Good Maps Studio platform, which is our mapping platform, a venue owner could go in or a conference group could go in and edit the information on the fly in real time, and it would be pushed to the app. So if these conference room names change from mm-hmm. Platinum 7 to conference room three you can go in and edit that in real time and that data will push to the app so you could add all of the exhibit information in right before the exhibit or right before the conference starts which as i understand it it is what you did yes so the exhibit hall does not work well because the camera when we scan the building did not have all of csun's exhibits obviously Mm -hmm. it was an open room so for exhibit hall instances it's not great in terms of uh, trying to navigate you in the exhibit hall, but you can get look around information like hundred, the 1100 row is right in front of me, 1300 row is to the right, that type of information, but not actual turn by turn like you can to the conference rooms. Now, is it feasible, as in the outdoors app, to eventually be able to add points of interest as yeah, you walk around? That's something Mike really wants. Oh, yeah, me too. He really wants to be able to add points of interest as well as hear points of interest being announced while he's mm-hmm. in a long route like the one we just did mm-hmm. hearing the platinum rooms that we were passing and um, we want to be able to share points of interest too with other friends or other people so it's on the roadmap for sure and it's, that's not really is it possible with outdoors adding you, points you of interest you can't share them though yet i don't think you can share them no, no. yeah like we used to be able to do with uh, 
with the Apex the, yeah, and, the, yeah. and the original Sendero. Mm-hmm. That was great. We, Mike and I and and Jamie pretty much Marty. mapped Disneyland. Oh, that's so cool. It was fun. That's really fun. Yeah, I bet that was a lot of walking. Oh, it was. <laughs> So, yes, but not at the moment. It's on the roadmap, but definitely being able to add points of interest or breadcrumb mode is what we want to be able to add as a feature. How often do you think that would come out? Um, So we're doing feature releases. So we're about to do a big app redesign, and um, we will be using, you will see a whole new version of the app come out in the next month, and it's going to allow you to get from, right now, if you were to open the app, and start a destination it's 13 voiceover commands and we're getting it down to three so yeah so you open the app it automatically lands on the search um like on search you type in lobby bar it um the search is much more um dynamic so if you just type in lob or misspell or dictate doesn't get it right it will still populate your results and then you could select lobby bar and just by one tapping and or long tapping long long press and it will start your route immediately so you'll so be no in the building. Extra. You'll be in the building when you first start the app. Like yes. now you have to enter the building and you, you don't have to do that anymore. They got good. rid of that. Good, good, good. No more entering the building. No more um, having to go to the search tab. No more having to uh, toggle through the favorite, then the how mm-hmm. many feet away, then the options. It's just open the app, search your lobby bar, and it takes you straight there. Great. And it's three three taps because um, I've been I've been working with a lot of users, and it takes them longer to get the route than to actually do the route. Mm-hmm. And so now we we've made that um, the opposite. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Who would people contact in order to have their building mapped? If you are interested in having your specific building mapped, you can contact me, and I'll give you my email. Um, it's Evelyn.Titchener at GoodMaps.com, but I'll write that out for you. Um, and if you have a building in your area that you're interested in having mapped, it's really helpful if you could reach out to them and explain how useful the technology is and then put me in touch with them as well. Um, because, you know, the venue does pay for this service. So it's good for consumers to say, hey, this technology would really improve your building accessibility. And then you can make the intro to me. The process is we come to the building, take a scan of the building. It takes as long as it would take someone to walk the space. Then we go back and edit in uh, those digital maps. And then we review the maps with the customer, make sure they're correct. And then we publish those to the building so that uh, as soon as they're published, you can go in, test it out, use it. Um, and it's ready to go. So it's a really easy process on the venue. No installation of any equipment. So, in other words, it beats the hell out of the beacons. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, we're back. <laughs> and I mentioned, I should have mentioned beforehand, beacons were really for quite a while the way in which indoor navigation was conducted by by a lot of companies, but the bill, but the beacons, you know, they had to be replaced every so often. The batteries would run out, and they were a lot more expensive than than what uh, Good Maps is now attempting to do. They have a if you go up on their website, uh, they have a whole list of of companies that have had their buildings scanned, and uh, Disney isn't is not one of them yet. Uh, although they they would like me to talk to Disney about uh, 
having that happen, either in the parks or hotels. Ira is in the same situation. Uh, So it's great technology that could benefit a lot of people in the near future. For those of people who are wondering, uh, NFB has – NFB is a general sponsor of Good Maps. So they already have their – Or will. Or will have their hotel mapped by Good Maps. For the the convention. In in, in July. Um, I took this information to people at ACB that I work with and for – and they are in the midst of working on that as well. So I'm my, it's my hope that both shows will have good maps as indoor navigation. We'll see. By the way, next year, uh, it's already up on the uh, Center on Disabilities webpage for CSUN. The, the conference is March 14 through 17, Tuesday through Friday. So it's already been Same written. format. Same much. format, basically mm-hmm. in same week of March. And also we should mention that since that recording was done in March of this year, uh, we've joined the beta team and a couple of betas have come out. And the descriptions that she was talking about with regard to cutting down the number of of, uh, tr- of choices to, to get, the, get into the edit field for the search field, all of that is now a part of the beta. And so I'm, I'm thinking that the new Update should be out to those using Good Maps, maybe you know by before the end of this month or maybe early May. I'm not, I'm not sure quite when they're going to release it, but it's coming. So if you've got Good Maps, you might be able to take advantage of it. Go look and see what indoor buildings they've mapped already, and if yours isn't one of them, contact uh, your your building and tell them how valuable the service is, and then contact uh, Evelyn. And they will uh, get in contact with them and see what they can do about mapping uh, your building. It's a, it's a. I, th- I really think that once this thing gets rolling, it'll be just as valuable to people as Ira was when it first came out, because you can you can do things on your own. You don't have to wait for somebody to help you. I mean, not not that there's anything wrong with that. But it's fine. But this allows you to do it on your own, which I think is really terrific. So we Mike thinks that in the next 25, 30 years, most of your major buildings and venues will be mapped. And I hope he's right because that would make things really, really uh, outstanding and easy to use. So so is there anything that that you guys did not see that you were looking forward to seeing? Some companies didn't come, you know. Right. Google didn't come. Microsoft didn't come. While you're thinking that over, we have a couple of hands. Go ahead, Ron. Okay. Looks like Carla has her hand up. Hi there. How are you folks doing today? We're good, Carla. Good. Hey. I'm really enjoying this show. I missed the first couple of minutes because I had another class to teach. But anyhow, um, I'm curious about um, something with these good maps is um, – I wanted, well, I'm curious about two things actually for the Good Maps and also the Braille Sense 6 uh, Mini. The um, Good Maps, um, is, is, it, is there ever going to be a situation where they can be put on a note taker? And if so, which one, the touch or the Braille Sense? And, you know, will it ever um, behave? Will they ever behave like the Sendero maps? And then my second question is, that, is, is the Braille Note 6 many, Mini, in your experience, 
the same thing um, as the, um, except for the Braille display, obviously, as its big brother, or are you sacrificing something, you know, are there any things that you don't get if you get a Braille Sense Mini that you would get if you got the big brother besides the, you know, the extra, you know, Braille cells? Answering your first question, I remember how much work it was to make Sendero work on the apex and the braille notes so, do I. so it does yeah i know i knew you would chris it takes a lot of work whether they're ever planning to do that again for for good maps i'm i'm not sure i mean you never say never but but honestly i don't know uh, i'm gonna put a theory out there okay your braille note touch and your braille senses are both running android in theory you should be able to install the good maps on the device and use the camera Makes sense to me. Would either one of them be better than the other to do it, or um, you know? Well, they- the, the the thing of the thing about good maps is you have to hold the camera vertical while you're walking. So, in my guess, the mini would probably be the better way to go because the Braille Note Touch is like two pounds or something. So, just a thought. And I know Mike and, and uh, Evelyn would like to see something eventually come down the pike where you wouldn't have to hold the the phone. Right. You could hold, you know, have it in some type of a little carrier so that your hands would be free. But that's that's to, yet to come. So we'll see what happens. My second question was about you know the the sense um, mini whether it was like its big brother or are you sacrificing more than the you know, the cells, if you know what I mean. I think Kim and I only saw it for about 3.5 seconds. And um, you're really, as far as my experience with Hims products is, you're really not sacrificing anything between its big brother except for the weight and the size of the Braille display. They're usually Isn't the processor speed good. something ridiculous on the new, on I the think new baby? I think it's, a, it's an Octa-core. It's like an octa-core processor or With something. six gigs of RAM or something. They told us to try and out-type it, and we could not out-type it. By the time you actually pressed a key combination on it, boom. I mean, it was almost instantaneous. It was wild watching it pop up on the display. But it won't over-type. Sort of like, you know, the, the touch. Sometimes it, it just gets crazy the way it mm-hmm. can type on it. And then does it have the same connectors, like the same USB connectors or... Um, things you know hardware wise truthfully i don't know i don't know well, like we i said we only it. saw it for such a, such a itty bitty <laughs> second but it's very cute and it's very small i would expect it does all right let's go to another question thank you thank you carla jenna here are you next Hi, uh, I'm wondering if you can give more detail about the Orbit Speak, like what kind of programs it has on board and things like that. It has exactly the same programs as the Orbit Reader 20. So, you know, it's a, I wouldn't call it a word processor. It's tech, text editor and a calendar uh, clock. And uh, gosh, I'm trying to remember now what else is on the, on the 20 plus. Um, file manager. Yeah, for the, yeah, there's a file manager. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, you know, it actually feels very much like, uh, you know, using the orbit products as far as scrolling through those, but, uh, yeah, it's exactly the same ones. So no, no internet connectivity or anything, but, uh, yeah, basic, you know, calendar note taker, 
um, that sort of thing. Okay, it looks like uh, Debbie is next. Hi, I have a question for Kim or Chris. Um, who makes the Lyric? Uh, is it battery-operated, and how does it handle columns? Who makes it? Do you remember who makes it? Zoro Zoro something. Hmm. Trying to remember the name of it, but (laughs) it does have a a feature that will allow you to turn on columns. So if you know you're doing a magazine, a newspaper, or something like that, you can make sure that it knows it's columnated. It does have a battery. It does recharge, but the battery life on it is really, really good. I mean, really, with this thing, we've only been using it for short. You know, generally short spurts, usually no more than like 10, 20 minutes at a time thus far. I haven't really gotten Mm -hmm. to do a lot of magazines and things on it. But you can also plug it in. And it's really little. It's probably only about, I don't know, maybe 12, 14. Yeah, it's about dinner plate, like a large, like a continental dental plate, dinner plate size. Um, it's wild, and you can literally like I was like picking it up, carrying it under my arm. Not that I would recommend that, of course. But uh, no, it's very. Does, <laughs> does it have a carrying case for it, it or anything? Not. Okay, no. And is it no. spelled L Y R I C? L Y R I Q. That's the I Q. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. So I can look it up on. Okay. You can, and for we what did it's an worth, unboxing in our last in our latest podcast. Plus, it's on okay. our downloads page as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we got it from the. Cal- now I'm the one who's going to forget it. California, oh North North State Assistive Technology is the name of the oh, company yeah. we got it from, and they're in uh, SoCal. Okay, thank you much. You're, You're very welcome. welcome. One of the cool things that we haven't talked about, we talked a little bit about it, but but for those of us who have been so many times and remember 2020 being less than a stellar year as it related to CSUN because of COVID. It was so cool having the chance to see people that we knew. And and a lot of people just, you know, gathered and talked. We had a lot of people talking to each other. Just because we, people were so excited to be with each other and see each other. And I think, and the people who, who head the conference knew this because they provided opportunities. There were parties every night. A big one on Tuesday, which you guys missed because you had just come in. From Florida, and we got there. I got there late because of work and ACB stuff earlier. But, but I mean, the the, the foyers were crowded with people. Uh, lots of them who just enjoyed just standing around talking to each other. On but, Wednesday, we had a huge Vespero reception, mm-hmm. and on Thursday, uh, we went out to dinner with a bunch of Vespero friends. It started out with just Larry and I and Ron Miller and and Rachel Buchanan, and then when we got down there, six others had joined us. So it was a lot of fun, which was cool. Yeah, yeah. So, so the chance to actually see people uh, over the over the corresponding years that we hadn't seen in two to three years because of COVID was really really nice. Oh, you know, you should you oh. should t- let's talk a little bit about a perennial attendee who is protected at all costs when he's there is Stevie Wonder. Oh, and Stevie Wonder comes every single year. Yeah, just because he's a big technology fan and he usually buys. Lots a of lot stuff. of technology. So, Larry, Larry, talk about the, the Stevie Wonder story from from this time around. And Chris has a little one too that he can interject. Oh, that's true. Yeah, sure. <laughs> why not? I, it's, I I think I've talked to him or met him once. I don't go out of my way to do that to people because I, I just don't. A lot of people do. As a matter of fact, this was at um, this was at the Vespero gathering on Wednesday. And all of a sudden, people who could see 
looked and saw Stevie Wonder, who was very tall. And they started telling their friends, Stevie Wonder's here. And the crowd around him got bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and he was there, you know, just hanging out and talking to people. He had a bodyguard with him. Uh, and so he was there Wednesday, and he came back Thursday. Um, now, I don't know if this was the case in prior years. Maybe it's a case of just our society, the way society is, and the and, and the organizers wanting to protect Stevie Wonder. But he did not go into the exhibit halls. Seems to me I remember in years past he did. But this time they put him in a ballroom and they had the exhibitors go in with products and they showed him products in the ballroom. They didn't have him come out to them. Uh, I, I, I'm sure that it was probably you know a matter of just not wanting to have any unforetold issues happen. And so they were being extra cautious. So he was there for a couple of days and uh, seemed to have a good time from what I understand. I don't know him. Mike and Gina may know him very well. They do. Very, very well. They've known him for years. They blew off dinner with us to hang out with Stevie. They actually went <laughs> they back to his really house. To they didn't really. It just, it just sounds that way. They went back to That's his house to see his new studio. Yeah. yeah. I don't after know, the conference. Yeah. After the conference, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so you can uh, – Chris, you can tell us your Stevie Wonder story. Yeah, this pertains to CSUN, but it was CSUN of years past uh, when I was at the Sendero Suite. And I was sitting on the couch next to uh, Charles Lapierre and – we were all in this suite and Stevie was in there and I didn't, I hadn't met him. I was just like, okay, well, he's here, you know, kind of like you, Larry, you don't bother somebody. And um, so he gets up to do something and trips over and falls on my lap. And that was his introduction to Stevie. That was my introduction to Stevie wonder. (laughs) And you, I assume you didn't have the guts to say to him, Stevie, you really know how to make an entrance. Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Or you didn't, you say that you would never wash that lap again. You know, yeah, right. Kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there are probably are other relatively famous people who show up at some of these things. You know, there are. Uh, so they, but they tend to stay quiet, and that's that's certainly their prerogative. When Ray Charles was alive, I wonder if he ever I showed up. Don't remember whether he was there or not. I'm not sure. But I know or like that, a Ronnie Millsap probably would if he were if he lived you know, in this in the part area. of the country. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I do know that this year is the first year that CSUN actually allowed streaming. Now they controlled mm-hmm. it, but that's never happened before. And I, I'm thinking we're going to see that more often because apparently the, the numbers are pretty good in terms of the people who watch that stream. So let's talk a little bit about yeah. if we have a couple seconds we about do. what you had to do because of covid oh true yeah so what you did is you had to have either a proof of vaccination or a proof of a positive or negative test and then every day you'd get this email where you'd have to ask questions are you quarantined or or you know just the standard health questions and you would get a response after answering those questions and then that's how you would get into the exhibit hall. And they had a, a wristband. And Your colorful daily wristband. Yes. They were a different <laughs> color each time, each day. So you couldn't go in with yesterday's wristband. Seems to it's, me that I, one day I forgot and, and I took the test, but I I didn't bring my lanyard. 
or I brought it, but it was in my backpack or something, whatever it was. Anyway, I never did get the um, the wristband, and they never asked me the questions. Oh, well. Yeah, I got in, and I if I had been sick, I could have caused, obviously, a lot of issues. But I went right along on my way, and nobody said a word. The next day, it was back to the normal sequence that you just described. And we all, mm-hmm. in the presentation area, had to a registration area, had to wear masks. Oh, yeah. Yes. Inside, anytime we were at a presentation. But when of you course, were outside. Anytime we got out of there, I yanked mine off real quick, because I, I didn't want to wear it any longer than I had to. And so it'll be interesting to see if they if they make us wear the masks next year. Yeah. It, 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 any other part of the hotel where there wasn't CSUN venue things happening, ballrooms, exhibit halls, you didn't have to wear the mask. It was optional. It was optional. Mm-hmm. And beginning tomorrow at work, it's also optional, which I can I can't wait. Yeah, he's been talking mm-hmm. to people about that. Forever. We're going to anyway. have a great big bonfire, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got maybe three minutes left, and uh, and let me ask you guys to give contact information so that if people want to contact you, they can. And Steve, that's up to you because I don't know if you want anybody contacting you. But we'll start with Kiss oh, and Kim. Oh, I'm. Oh. We'll, we'll go with Kiss, Chris and Kim first. Chris and Kim. Kiss and Chris. Never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Whoever we I'm, are, it's all we'll, good. We'll edit that part out. <laughs> <laughs> so you can always reach us at info at mysticaccess.com, M-Y-S-T-I-C-A-C-C-E-S-S.com. Remember, we have a bi-weekly podcast, so we're always talking about these goodies. If you haven't checked out our last episode and want to know more about the lyric that we were talking about, the scan read device, then that is in our last episode. And it has been very, very popular. So if you're interested, check it out. And you can find out more information. Excellent. Steve? And, yeah, sure, the whole world has my email address, so why not? Uh, Steve Bauer, spelled B-A-U-E-R, at S-A-Mobile, S-A-M-O-B-I-L-E, dot net. And Larry Gassman, one, at gmail.com. One is the number. And, and John Gassman at roadrunner.com and Gassman is spelled G-A-S-S-M-A-N and uh, you know not that I know a whole lot but I'd be willing to answer whatever letter that comes in so thank you all for being with us it was fun very enjoyable and uh, I hope you all enjoyed it as well so so Chris when can we expect Stevie's next song My Chris Know The Lap yeah never (laughs) yes he doesn't even remember. <laughs> All right, don't sell yourself short. Thanks, Larry. That was 15 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Next week on Tech Talk, the director of the National Library Service will be with us, and we'll oh, talk great. about things oh, happening cool. with NLS, the new player, plus ideas and plans for the years to come. Hope you will be with us next week on Tech Talk. <laughs>